This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for choosing to listen to Grieving Voices today. This is episode 48, Takeaways and Reflections from episode 46 with Rachel Possessi, The Grief and Impact of Chronic Illness, and episode 47 with Crystal Partney, Finding Hope After the Loss of Her Sister by Suicide. And I'd like to start out with episode 46 with Rachel. Um, I actually happen to know some people who deal with chronic illness, um, who, well, even at one time myself, I had felt like something was wrong. I had physical symptoms. Uh, This was probably the start of 2014. Um, Hindsight, I know what the problem was then. Uh, But at the time, I felt like, what is happening with my body? It felt like my body was retaliating against me. Um, I had hair loss, fatigue, um, body aches that were really unexplained. Um, yeah, and I was doctoring and trying to figure out what the world was going on. I had weight loss. Um, in one month I had lost like nine pounds. I was dealing with bloating and constipation and just so many different things. And when I look back on that time now, I can tell you that it was grief. It was just all grief for me. I had, my youngest was starting kindergarten, and I had come to the decision that I was going to close the business that I had poured all of my blood, sweat, tears, and money into for the past, um, well, at that time, it was probably close to seven or eight years of just, well, actually closer to eight, eight years, nine years, eight to nine years of just learning and education and then just kind of establishing the foundations of what I would need to run a business, a photography business. And anyone who endeavors to be an entrepreneur recognize the work and the effort it takes and the stamina and the ambition, all of those things. And um, it, it can take a lot out of you if you don't have the support and mindset for it, right? And early on in the beginning of my business, I didn't have a lot of support in terms of a guide or a mentor or anything like that. This was, you know, Facebook was just kind of becoming a thing and 
even years into my business, I, di- I didn't even have a Facebook page until one of my uh, wedding clients was, you know, prompted me to start a page. And anyway, it, it just takes a lot out of you. And um, I loved what I was doing. I, I felt really energized working with my clients. Um, and I learned so much in, in those years. Things that I use today that I've, that really helped me um, become the entre- entrepreneur I am today, truthfully. Nothing is wasted. That's what I say. Nothing is wasted. And, um, but in hindsight, coming to that decision, um, from the time I made the decision to when I actually implemented the decision was another year. It really was not an easy decision for me to make. I mean, the decision itself was, but the process of actually letting go and, and doing that, um, it was a grieving process. It was a grieving process. It is, it's like you, that was my baby, that my business was my fourth baby. And, um, you know, Rachel has a business herself. She coaches, um, women particularly, I believe in helping them really live their best lives. And, um, her education and knowledge of course comes from, her personal experience, which often it does. Often people in business create businesses out of their own personal experience. And, um, she dealt with chronic illness for much of her, um, later teen life into, into adulthood still currently, obviously, um, with chronic Lyme disease. Um, I mean, there was a bunch of different things mentioned. I, I mean, I, I just couldn't even listening to her. I'm just like, that's a lot. Hashimoto's. It's like one thing led to the next thing to the next thing. Um, mold toxic toxicity, all these things. And she, it, it took her years to like really pick apart what was really happening. And the grief that she experienced during that time of people in her life and, and in her circles and, who didn't believe that, you know, who didn't validate really what, what, she, what was happening and what she was experiencing. And, you know, at the time when I was going through my bout of what I call midlife crisis, which is what I boil it down to, um, is that what was happening with me physically I'm sure there were people who were like, oh my gosh, here, here we go again. There's, you know, another issue, another doctor appointment or whatever. And, and there were validating things that were found. In fact, um, I had colon polyps that were removed. So, um, maybe the midlife crisis kind of saved me too, you know, um, because my dad passed away of colon cancer when he was 44. So, and it's very prevalent in my family, although it's not genetically um, tied to, to the family. So that's good. But anyway, um, I also found that I had, um, Epstein-Barr reactive. I was Epstein-Barr reactive. Um, and my research led me to understand that it's, it's like mono, Epstein-Barr is mono and it's mono in your body that's reactivated, but it's not 
mono itself. So it's like your body thinks you have mono. So honestly, there isn't a whole lot of information on that that I could find and and what to do about it and how to manage those symptoms or or really what it is. Um, I think it's still one of these things that is not an anomaly, but just really not really researched. So that's kind of where that stands. I, I really don't know anything else about that other than that I related to parts of Rachel's story in that I, I felt like I was going crazy and, and she did too. Um, and then you feel invalidated and, and when you feel invalidated and when you feel like, um, you know, you're not getting, you know, you know, in your gut when the, the doctor, you know, they don't know everything, right? And you know, in your gut, like, no, I, I think I need another opinion or, oh, that just doesn't sound right to me. I just encourage you to listen to that. Rachel does too. It's if she would not have listened to her intuition, um, she would have, her appendix would have ruptured and she would have been much more in a, in a much more dire situation than what she found herself in, which was emergency surgery. Um, but just listen to your intuition when it comes to your body, your health, only you know best. I don't care if the doctor has 18 years of education and experience or 28 years or whatever. Um, they don't know you like you know you. And so I would just encourage you, and I think Rachel would too, to listen to your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, investigate it. Get another opinion. Um, I actually, there was an episode I did with... Um, and she's uh, 17 years out with metastatic breast cancer, and she's shared the same message. You know, she's listened to her intuition. It really helped her, like going through living with cancer really has helped her to um, really tune into her intuition and do the best thing that she can for herself and do her research and and find the best option for her. Um one thing I've learned through conversations with good friends who are more on the naturopath train and through Rachel and just my own personal experience, my own life, is that the one thing that the medical field doesn't really address when it comes to like women and women's health is this, the whole picture, is the whole picture. And you know, when it comes to the hormones, like hormones are huge for women, of course, men too, but um, they're an essential part of our bodies. Like they're, they're so much a part of every system of our body that it pays to investigate what's happening with our hormones. And, you know, with women, we have all these different options for, you know, you have the birth control pill, which um, actually a friend just recently shared with me as she was reading the book Beyond the Pill and the information that she's gleaned from that is wow the changes that it creates in your body and the things that it does to your body and what I've personally learned in that regard too is um, you know 
how do we really know what's happening with our body if we're taking this artificial thing, right? This thing that's supposed to be um, part of our reproductive health, but yet how healthy is it? And so anyway, I think it just comes back to doing your research and finding the best viable option for you. And that goes for women's health. That goes for um, just health in general, health and wellness, mental health, everything, all of it. It's a human being. You got to see the whole picture. And one thing I know that um, a good fr- another good friend recommended is to have your levels checked by a naturopath who, I mean, they'll check everything, the stuff that the regular doctors will not check for, but again, play such a vital role in what could be happening because of those levels being low, such as magnesium or calcium. Um, well, they check your calcium, but um, there's just so much more. There's just so much more that they can look into, like just by checking your spit, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, um, listen to your intuition. That's the main message I got from Rachel. And really, you just never know what people are dealing with. When you walk, when you pass by people on the street, people in your family, um, who seem like they're not, like they're struggling, you know, it's, it could be their health and health. If we don't have our health, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter your zip code or your address or your, yeah, it doesn't matter your economic status, your skin color or anything. It, if we do not have our health, nothing else matters. And I think it's very important to look at the whole picture of our health, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it, the whole picture. So that is my takeaway that I would love to, that I wanted to share from Rachel's episode. So much more. Um, check her out at rachelpossessi.com. That's R-A-C-H-E-L-P-O-Z-Z-E-S-I.com for more information on everything that she can help you with and that she, um, is working through herself and in coaching women. Um, I will also put in the show notes uh, a link to her previous episode and um, where you can see all the links in the show notes from her episode uh, because there were several, especially if you have Lyme disease, um, if you're dealing with um, any other issues that um, she may have shared in that episode, uh, a lot of good resources that came out of that episode. So check that out. So next up, I'd like to share some insights from Crystal's episode where she shared about the loss of her sister by suicide. And uh, if you don't recall, or if you haven't listened to it, uh, back in November, there are two, as a two part series, two part podcast episode with David Woods Bartley episodes 21 and 22, which I'll also link in the show notes, but he specifically talked about his experience with um, attempting suicide 
and talked about suicide prevention, and, and it was a really good conversation. It was quite lengthy, so that's why I split it up into two podcast episodes, but um, highly recommended as well, um, in addition to Crystal's episode. She shared her personal experience, again, like, um, as, you know, losing her sister, and but there was more of loss than just her sister. She had also lost her, her father and a nephew who... Um, was stillborn, I believe. And um, so a lot of loss in a short period of time for her, which I often find, not necessarily in a short period of time, but in doing these interviews over the past year almost now, um, I'm approaching episode 50 and my one-year anniversary of this podcast. So again, thank you for listening. But what I've learned to be true with most guests is that it's not just one loss. They've experienced several or many losses. And, you know, if you think about your lifetime and you think of all the different ways that loss happens in our life, whether it's moving or your parents get divorced or you get divorced or let's say both, let's say as a child, your parents got a divorce and then you had to move and do all those things that what happens when your parents get divorced and then you get married and you get a divorce, you know, like all of these life events create grief in our lives. And this is why I'm so passionate about grief education because people don't see their life experiences causing grief. They don't see the the patterns in their lives of what they're doing to feel better as being caused by grief, as being motivated by grief, um, motivated to feel better, but because of the grief, right? Um, and I see this, I'm really looking forward to having some conversations coming up, um, one in particular with, uh, he's a retired lieutenant colonel and Green Beret, and he's a TEDx speaker, and he's been on all kinds of TV programs and everything, but I really look forward to talking to him about mental health in the VA community, the veteran community, because there's all this talk about mental health, mental health, mental health. And um, in 2019, I had gone to a VA mental health summit and had a booth there and listened to the speakers. And I was in rooms full of social workers and not a once was the word grief even spoken. Everything was about suicide prevention. Let's talk about suicide. But what is the truth about suicide is that when there is suicidal ideation, there is more likely to be grief in that person's life. And so if we can address the grief, we take care of the suicidal ideation if it's because of grief. Now, granted, there are chemical things that happen within the brain, and I'm not a neuroscientist, I'm not a PhD, whatever, and I haven't like done all this research or whatever, but what I know about grief (laughs) is that when we pull the weed and we get to the root of the problem, all of these other things in our lives seem to fall into place. And In fact, I mean, I just think of one client I had who lost her father through COVID and 
she could not even, before grief recovery work, she could not even get within a block of his house, not even within a block, without breaking down, crying, and being emotionally upset for hours, maybe even days at a time. And it wasn't until after grief recovery that she has been able to go into the house and she's actually going through and cleaning and going through his personal belongings and things and, you know, organizing and doing all those things that the children are left to do when the parents pass, right? So those are things that she really struggled with before grief recovery. And as long as we attempt to medicalize and drug grief, we will have these issues. We will have the issues of mental health. We will have the needle not moving forward. And we will continue to see these problems that we're seeing. And because this trickles into addiction and all sorts of other things. Um, granted, like I said, there are medical conditions and mental illnesses that you know, obviously need and require medication. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is what so many millions of Americans are dealing with that is normal and natural, that is causing anxiety, that is causing heart problems, that is causing heart disease and strokes. And these. it's this extended long period of grief that is unaddressed, that is debilitating people and their lives. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff because I it we see grief everywhere. It is everywhere. It is everywhere and it impacts every area of our lives. And so when I see stories or hear stories of suicidal ideation, I want to ask, what happened to you? What have, what have you experienced in your life? What has gotten you to this point? And is there a way we can get beyond this that doesn't include medication? Like, can we address, get to the heart of the problem? Can we get to the root of the issue and pull out the weed? If we think of our heart as a garden, let's tend our gardens. Let's pull the weeds. That's what I'm saying here. (laughs) Let's pull the weeds. One aspect, too, of our conversation is that I want to highlight and bring up is she mentioned uh, her three-year-old daughter um, because this was, you know, her aunt that passed away. And before that it was her grandpa. And, and so she, as children, I just wanted to share this reflection is that as children, we come into this world knowing how to grieve. We do. We cry when we're hungry. We cry when we're sad. We cry when we're in pain we know how to share our feelings. Like it's natural to share what we're experiencing in the moment we're experiencing it. And it's life itself, the evolution of getting older and growing up and being in our environment and learning from our caretakers, how to respond to the world around us. And what I have learned about the brain is that the brain actually responds to its environment. The brain actually develops as when we're children, the brain develops around what is in our environment. The environment shapes our brain, like literally like wires our brain 
as a result of the environment we are in. And um, I'll have to look for the book that references this. And there was a podcast episode I listened to with this with this doctor who's been doing this research. Um, and I just found it fascinating, but it makes total sense. And this is why I believe adulthood is childhood reenactments. Because all of these experiences in childhood are wired in our brains. And our brains are us, right? Our brains are a part of us all our lives. And so it makes sense to me that adulthood would be a reflection of what our brain experienced as a child. And it's a file bank of resources and mental references and things that we fall back on, the belief systems, the everything that we take in, the information that we take in shapes our beliefs and our patterns of thought and our experiences shape our thoughts and all of these things, right? And so it's all stored in there and as children, and that's what we fall back on as adults. And uh, so before life gets a hold of us as children, um, we naturally know how to grieve. It's just that we lose that instinct. We lose that ability because we, our brains get reshaped. We get formed. Well, I guess this is how it's done. I guess this is how we talk about grief. I guess this is how we deal with it. We don't. We don't talk about it. We, we stuff it down and we, we get angry and, oh, but anger isn't okay. So we can't get angry. So I'm going to stuff anger down, you know? And so this is how, like our childhoods, our childhood is where we need to start when we're thinking about the problems we are experiencing in adulthood. And uh, so that's my that's my riff on that. <laughs> um, but it is a great episode. Um, she's very much about suicide prevention and helping families um, after loss of loss by suicide. And initially, we got connected because she was putting together a panel of speakers uh, to discuss mental health. And um, I believe she was going to get me a link for that if because um, this was ba- held back in March. Um, but I think it's all wonderful information. So I'm going to see about getting a link for that again. And I'll put that in the show notes of episode 47 of Crystal's episode and then also in this episode as well. So that is my episode today. Uh, thank you for listening again as I approach episode 50. It's very exciting. It's so exciting. Um, definitely a labor of love and I've learned I greatly greatly enjoy this so thank you so much for tuning in and if you love these episodes and love grieving voices I hope that you would take two minutes to review rate Um, I would greatly appreciate it so remember when you unleash your heart you unleash your life much love From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. 
And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend. Thank you.